Welcome back to It's a Theater Thing. If you've joined us before, welcome back. If this is your first time listening to It's a Theater Thing, we are a podcast made for and by theater fans. I'm Tracy Danoff, and as usual, I'm joined by my fellow theater fan, Aaron Carl. Hey, Aaron. Well, hello there. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So, we have a lot to talk about today, don't we? Yes, we do. My notebook is full. <laughs> well, we're getting into the fall season and new shows coming up. And, you know, not all of those shows are actually local to us. So we thought we'd discuss traveling to other cities to see shows. Erin, I know you've done a lot of traveling, right? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Um I live in the middle of nowhere, uh, literally the state of Missouri, uh, a.k.a. <laughs> St. Louis, Missouri. We do have a very nice, thriving theater uh, community here. There's a lot going on, but there are some things that I can't pass up. Uh, so I have a, a short little list of different places that I have been. So my favorite and number one probably for the rest of my life will be Death West Spring Awakening at Inner City Arts in downtown L.A., a.k.a. Skid Row. Oh. <laughs> um, literally, when purchasing the tickets on the website, it gave a buyer beware warning, like, don't stay in the area after the show. Don't get a hotel within a mile of the theater. Um, all the all these little tips and tricks and everything. So me being me, I was like, oh, it says a mile. I'll stay three miles away. <laughs> so I stayed uh, uh, on Flower Street in Los Angeles. Uh, it, it's still central Los Angeles, but um, up about th- uh, up, like I said, about three miles from the theater, from Inner City Arts. And I was like, I'll just walk it. And, and then I thought to myself, no, because that would be bad. Like, once I got into the mile by the theater, nope, that's not going to work. Uh, so I rode the bus. And uh, so multiple red flags that should have gone off in my head when I got on the bus. The bus driver looked me up and down and was like, where do you think you're going? Oh, no. <laughs> and so I told her, and she said, sweetie, sit right here. I'm going to tell you which stop to get off on. Oh, wow. I'm like, okay. And then I'm, I have, I have it on my GPS. I have a literal printout of the bus route in my pocket and like the bus is dinging every stop. So I know where I'm at on the bus route and we get closer and closer and I'm like, oh, let me, cause I'm either getting off on this one street or the second street. And I look and I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to get off on the first street, which I forget the name of now, but let me get off on the second street, Compton. Oh, Hmm. my goodness. (laughs) I'm going, I'm in central LA, I'm heading southbound, and I'm getting off on a street named Compton. So uh, the bus driver was amazing and was just like, okay, this is going to be your stop, and it's up a block and around the corner. I'm like, got it. Came around the corner and there's an armed guard at the door of like the facility because it's it's kind of like you walk into this beautiful the the property is gorgeous it's has this little garden this little like courtyard kind of like I want to say and it's just beautiful 
but it's it's concealed by like a ten foot fence with barbed wire on it with an armed guard outside. And I came around the corner and I saw him and he kind of nodded and he's like, "You're seeing the show, yes." Open the door and I walked through. Mm-hmm. And then. Every single person I talked to, like the usher that I got my ticket from, um, some audience members, they were all like, oh, where did you park? Are, uh, how are you getting back to the hotel? Every, I got offered like no less than 10 rides home because they all thought I was going to try and take the bus back. Oh, wow. I, I already had it in my head, like, I'm just going to call a cab yeah, uh, or download Uber. Like, I'm not going to, you know, try and bus it back. Um Anyway, so <laughs> I um, by the end of my trip, because I stayed there for four days and I saw the show four times, I literally just would call the cab and they would be like, all right, Miss Carl, are you at the hotel or are you at the theater? Mm. Like they, they knew instantly they what I was trying to do. Um, the people there, like there was a few of us every night, we would just stay in the little courtyard until the cabs came. So I'm kind of like, oh. And then my next trip to Los Angeles was almost literally the exact opposite. Um, It was at the Wallace Performing Arts Center in Beverly Hills. Um, This one I only stayed for one day because the cost of the entire trip to Inner City Arts cost me one day in Beverly Hills. Like to get the hotel, to get the ticket, to get the cab to go to and from. It it was crazy when I started looking at the prices. But it was, again, for Deaf West Spring Awakening. It was their next step before they came, before they moved to um, Broadway. And nobody officially knew about Broadway yet. So I'm thinking this is my last chance to see the show. So I went to go out and see it again. And so, yeah, so that was the next extreme is I flew into Bob Hope Airport um, instead of LAX, which is smaller and just like kind of more relaxed and immediately found uh, the free shuttle to my hotel. The hotel greeted me, um, you know, with the free cocktail. I laid out in the patio by the pool, relaxed, got ready for the show. It was just like an honest to goodness, relaxing trip. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. One of my, and uh, one of the last ones I'm going to talk about is my most extreme trip was to Seattle to see the Hunchback of Notre Dame at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Ah. My work schedule leaves me uh, three days off a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And so I generally, if I'm going out of town, I try and see a Tuesday show fly out on Monday, see the show Tuesday, and then fly back on Wednesday. But for some reason, I thought this would be an awesome opportunity to just fly out on Tuesday and save money on the hotel for Monday night. Uh I I regret this immediately. Um, (laughs) I flew four hours. I landed at like four in the afternoon. I basically had to do the quickest turnaround, like, shower, change, get ready, head to the ho- uh, head to the theater, saw the theater, and then my flight was Wednesday morning. I had to wake up at 5 a.m. because, again, it's a four-hour flight back, so I chose one earlier in the morning so that I wouldn't get home at, like, 10 o'clock at night. 
Wow. So that was literally, I was gone for like 20 hours. Wow. Barely, barely, barely a day by the time time change and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired just hearing about that. <laughs> that was, that was, that was my most extreme trip, and, but it was worth it. <laughs> I love the show and it was an adventure. And yes. I think that's part of, part of traveling for theaters mm-hmm. is you get to see the show, but you also get to have a little fun adventure. Absolutely. Well, most of my travel for theater has been to New York, mm-hmm. you know, and I've seen countless things in New York over the years. I'm about, four-hour train trip away. If I drive and take the train from Baltimore, it's about three hours, so it's not so bad. So that makes it easy. So I've done that. I can't say that I've traveled to many other states to see theater unless there's another reason that I'm there. Like, I had a work trip to Denver, so I saw Annie Get Your Gun there, which was a lot of fun. I've seen numerous shows in uh, Vegas when I've gone on vacation with my husband. But my most extreme trip to date is London. And I saw three shows while I was in London. I saw Phantom because I was with someone who had actually never even been to a Broadway show. And I said, well, we got to at least see Phantom. We're in London. You know, this is the place to see it. And she loved it. Oh, yes. Yes, it was awesome. (laughs) I saw an unfortunate show (laughs) called The Go-Between with Michael Crawford. And he was pretty much the only reason I went to see the show. The show was not very good. He was wonderful, but the show was not very good. And then I saw the much-talked-about revival in the West End of Funny Girl. And... That was just amazing. And I mean, totally worth the price of the ticket. And Mm -hmm. Sheridan Smith, who, if you're not familiar with her, is a pretty well-known actress in England. She's done a lot of TV over there. And she just recently finished a run doing Joseph in the West End. She was playing Fanny Bryce. But sadly, at the time, her father had become very ill. And she took a leave of absence. So I did see her understudy, Natasha Barnes, who was freaking amazing. I actually sat next to a couple who turned to me at intermission and said, this is a star making role for her. And I totally agree. I mean, she was wonderful. I haven't heard much about her since then. I really, really hope that her career continues to flourish because she is extremely talented and it was a fun (laughs) trip the west end is very different from broadway (laughs) um the you know things are a little bit more yeah the, the theaters are a bit more spread apart and it's not quite as easy or at least it wasn't for me (laughs) to find all the theaters but it was it was a lot of fun I was just going to comment I've recently been following Carrie Hope Fletcher's uh video blogs Mm -hmm. and oh my lord yeah when she's like oh we're going to the Haymarket oh we're going to this theater oh we're and she's literally just zigzagging through alleys I'm like oh my lord how do you how do you know this (laughs) besides being a Londoner like ah I think that's I'd be so you... nervous as a tourist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was by myself for part of that trip. So um, I was, <laughs> I, I, in fact, was walking down, you know, through the streets of the West End looking for the Savoy, which is where 
funny girl played and I get a call from my husband and he's like, where are you? And I'm like, somewhere in London. <laughs> I don't know. Undisclosed street in uh, the yeah, center of London. Right, um. Exactly. But my most extreme trip will be coming up next month because my very, very kind friend, Ronnie Krasnow, who some of you may know if you follow Aaron's and Flaherty, and she's been a big part of their online presence. She has invited me to go with her to Madrid to see Anastasia. So, Ooh. yes, so I in Espanol. In Espanol, yes, and my my Spanish is terrible, so I, I'm going to need to get on that. But I am super excited. I can't wait to see the show in a totally different country in a different language, and I'm excited to see Madrid. I know, you know, I hear that it's beautiful, so I'm really looking forward to that. So, so that is going to be my big trip coming up, and I will be sure to let you guys know how that goes. Oh, Um, yes. Full report. Full report is mandatory there. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. So talking about big shows, which I always really considered Anastasia to be a big show, Mm -hmm. uh, we have lots of big shows and not so big shows coming up in the new season. And some of them have some pretty well-known people in those shows. And I'm not just talking about well-known within the theater community, but celebrities, you know, film actors, TV actors. And there's been a few announcements in the past few weeks. Um, The big one is Hugh Jackman will be in the upcoming Music Man. And they just announced that the Broadway revival of American Buffalo will have Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Rockwell. Uh, we have Plaza Suite coming up with uh, Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. And also, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Lori Medcalf, who we all love. I mean, she's a well-known, established theater actress as well as a, a screen actress. But they replaced Eddie Izzard. I guess Eddie Izzard had to drop out. And we're going to get Rupert Everett, who some of you may remember back in the day. He was he would pal around with Madonna. He was in My Best Friend's Wedding and um, An Ideal Husband. And um, he's a wonderful British actor. So um, and of course, we have Tom Hiddleston on Broadway right now, which is also getting a lot of attention. So my question for you, Erin, is, you know, with the trend of casting these well-known personalities, do you need to have a big star in a show for a show to succeed? That is, that's a tough call. Um, uh, I, I don't think it's a necessity. I think theater fans are going to go and see, especially classics like American Buffalo and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to be intrigued enough to see that. Um, what producers are worried about is getting their money back and money back as quickly as possible. So a well-known name is going to draw people in. Um, when I saw First Date um, with Zachary Levi, Literally, the people sitting next to me at the stage door had bought their ticket right before curtain, 
and that was only because they were walking through Times Square and they saw his face and they were like, oh my God, that's Chuck. Mm. And they Googled it and they were like, yes, that's Chuck. We have to go. And they ran to the theater and got like the last minute tickets and got in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, and that's all they talked to him about at the stage door was like as a family, how they binge watch the show and how they're on their third round watching it all the way through and this and that and everything, which is amazing. And again, those seats would have gone unsold had it not been for Zach's name. But at the same time, you know, he's just an uber talented all around guy who's proven his stage quality as well as his uh, film quality. Yes, I saw him in First Date and I also saw him in She Loves Me and I thought Mm -hmm. he was wonderful in both. I do think he's a very, very talented stage actor. And, you know, to me, that brings a bit more legitimacy to his presence on Broadway. Like, he seems to really have embraced the whole stage thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, is the best way to put it. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, you know, you take Plaza Suite, I I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was younger... I I was a fan of Matthew Broderick. I feel like in the last maybe 10, 15 years, his acting has become a bit stale. And so I can't say that I'm super excited to see him in Plaza Suite, but he is going to be playing, you know, a role with his wife. So maybe that'll bring something new to it. I don't know. Um, And certainly he has a theater chops. He's had a long history Mm-hmm. theater. I mean, gosh, I, I mean, I was around during the heyday of the producers when it, you couldn't get a ticket. <laughs> I mean, yeah, cuz yeah, he's yeah. he's a super well-known yeah, both again kind of both stage and screen. Right. So it would be I I I do think producers need to take a look at I, and I hate to use this terminology or whatever, but like kind of B, C, D level tier celebrities, mm-hmm. like YouTubers who have never stepped foot on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's because that also just leads to a huge issue with um, stage door security, like we saw with um, Colleen and Todrick at Waitress. Yes. And, um, and, and it could turn bad for the production if, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I know, you know, they go through auditions and lots of the creative team has to sign off on them before they'd be given the role or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes the creative team is just like, okay, it's a good name. People recognize it. Go. Right. Right. And I mean, like this thing with the music man is going to be huge. I I know it's going to be huge. I remember my mother wanted to see The Boy from Oz when he was doing The Boy from Oz. And it mm-hmm. was so crazy at the theater. Um, and I and somebody can write in and correct me if I'm wrong. But if I remember correctly, even though he had an understudy on the days that he was off, they just didn't run. They didn't have a show that day. So that's how dependent they were on his star power, which I guess in some ways, I mean, it's great for the producers, but it also makes me a little sad because is the 
worth of this show based on the star of the show or is it based on the material? And for me, I'd rather see a really good piece of material, really well-written play or musical, than to see something just because the person is famous. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, I don't think these days that producers really consider that. You know, I hate to say it, but look at Chicago. I mean, and I enjoy Chicago. I think Chicago is a really... Mm-hmm interesting show i i've always enjoyed it even though it's been around forever now and i'm probably i've seen it one too many times so i'm kind of you know it's it's not quite as interesting to me as it was when i first saw it the reason it keeps running is because of all this stunt casting which is Mm -hmm. a whole other issue because do we need someone from the real housewives of atlanta being in the show if they've had no stage experience and maybe you're taking away a job from someone who has, you know, really studied the craft. Um, And uh, yes, I, I 100% agree with you on that. I do think there are situations where, okay, maybe, you know, just not secretly per se, but just like in the background, they were focused on acting or whatnot, which weirdly a lot of reality quote unquote reality stars are more actors than just being themselves. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> that's, a, that's a, I, I mean, you could look at MTV The Hills. Mm-hmm. That ended up being a completely scripted series when it was billed as reality. Right. So then you look at those people and it's like, okay, they're, they're more actors than just being filmed. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a catch twenty two. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do agree. Also, Chicago is kind of known for just a rotating like, ooh, look who's Billy Flynn this right. uh, this time. <laughs> ooh, look who's Roxy. You know, right. it's 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 not necessarily about the show anymore, which is ridiculous because it's an amazing show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I do think um, certain productions focus more on who they can get in the part than if the if they fit the part. Yeah. I mean, I look at something, I mean, you know, I keep going back to Music Man, but I saw, and I've mentioned it before on this podcast, I saw a production of Music Man at the Kennedy Center maybe like six months ago, possibly, and mm-hmm. it starred Norm Lewis, and he was wonderful. And... There was one name in the cast, and that was Rosie O'Donnell, who played Mrs. Peru, and Jesse Miller played um, Marion. And it was such a terrific show, and I would have much rather had seen that cast been brought over to um, do the Broadway production. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect much from Rosie O'Donnell. I am... I, even though I have liked her in the past, I've never been a huge fan of her on the stage. And in this production, she knocked it out of the park. She was very, very good. Norm Lewis, very, very good. Jesse was wonderful. So I, you know, I feel like this is going to be sort of all glitz and flash with Hugh Jackman and, you know, also people know Sutton Foster, although I have a lot of respect for Sutton Foster. I think she's amazing. 
Um, I loved her in Violet, and I think that she is an interesting choice for Marion. Although I could think of some others I would <laughs> probably wouldn't mind seeing, mm-hmm. but I do think she'll be very good. But I guess my feeling is there's so many people out there who are working to just get a spot on Broadway, and I'd rather see them have that chance or see an established Broadway actor have that chance than just see somebody with, you know, a lot of fame and Mm -hmm. maybe not do the job as well. So, so the, the other thing about Music Man, that I don't think they have a theater set up yet, mm-hmm. Like they, they, but they're selling tickets. Yes. So a lot of people are concerned about that, and apparently the Schubert has done this before, and it's not too terribly complicated, like, oh, you bought second row in the balcony, so instead of it being balcony... Two, it'll be balcony B or something like that. Right. Like it, they, 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 it, it meshes well. Yeah. But um, a lot of people are also concerned, like even paying for the quote-unquote cheaper seats, like the nosebleed and the balcony and the off to the sides. It's like over a hundred, two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah that that can be a bit much when you don't even know what theater you're going to be in. Mm-hmm. And it's a year away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an investment, you know. I I know I bought my tickets to Hello Dolly with Bette Midler way way in advance, and mm-hmm. again, you know, I guess something could be said about the fact that okay, here's another big star, but she also has roots in the theater, and not that Hugh Jackman doesn't. He does. Um, yeah, but. And she killed it. She was amazing in that show. And I don't regret it. But I went in with my eyes open, knowing exactly where I was sitting, knowing exactly where the, you know, which theater was going to be hosting that show. I think, you know, it's kind of, I mean, unless you are really a theater novice, I I think it for people who are not in the know, they're not going to care. You know, they don't they probably haven't even paid attention to the fact that they really don't have a theater yet. But those of us who know the Broadway theaters, they're going to care. I know I would care. So, yeah. So it's there's a difference between the Schubert balcony and the Winter Garden balcony. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's definitely a leap of faith. Well, we can talk about this, you know, till we're blue in the face. Sadly, I don't think it's going to change anything within the industry as far as, you know, casting celebrities. And I think it can be a good thing and maybe not such a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, again, yes, both have pros and cons in this yeah. situation, and there's no simple answer. No, no, there isn't. And going back to the original question, does a show need a celebrity to succeed? I think it depends on the show. Uh, I, I, that's a strong maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, may, it may need a, a bigger name yeah. to, to pull it through. But I think if you take a show like Hamilton or a show like Hades Town, you really don't need that. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's that catch twenty two, and a lot of producers, I think, are leaning towards, oh, let me get a name to get the show started. 
right. you know, to, to get buzzed about it. And that's, and maybe that's why Music Man is selling tickets so far out in advance and without a theater is because, A, they know they're going to get the money because, again, it's Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster mm-hmm. and that whole amazing cast. Oh, so yeah. they're going to ha- they're going to have an investment going in. They're going to yeah. have a cushion already. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on, as usual, every episode we do our Beyond the Boards picks, and these are picks that we offer up to you that sometimes have to do with what's going on on Broadway. A lot of times they're things that are off the stage, like book signings or cabaret acts and regional things. So Erin, what do you have to share with us? I have... Two things, and that is um, a friendly reminder about the Concert for America. It's at the UCLA Royce Hall on Saturday, September 21st. Uh, go to Ticketmaster.com for your tickets, and um, also proceeds go to the National Immigration Law Center. So that's an amazing uh, production. And the second one is that Rachel Bay Jones is coming to St. Louis, Missouri. Ah, love her. Yay! Yes, yes. Anybody got a map, please? <laughs> she is coming to the Jazz, uh, Jazz St. Louis, which is a wonderful little club in the Grand Center, right across from the Fox Theater. If you're in that area off of Grand in St. Louis. October 16th and 17th at 7.30, and tickets can be found at jazzstl.org. Awesome. Well, I have a few things to share. First of all, everyone's favorite Broadway diva, Kristen Chenoweth, will be returning to Broadway for a limited engagement in November, celebrating the release of her new album, and that album is called For the Girls. She will perform... Eight concerts beginning November 8th at the Nederlander. Yay, Nederlander. We love the Nederlander. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Redheads forever. Um, <laughs> uh, For the Girls is Chenoweth's tribute to women in the music industry that have influenced her. So this should be an interesting concert. Mm-hmm. And I know all her her fans will be out there in droves. Next is Hades Town will release its Broadway cast album as a two disc CD, and that will be out on November 1st. And also they will be releasing a vinyl edition on November 29th, which is really cool because I think people more and more are starting to collect the vinyl. The CD edition includes a 64 page booklet and the vinyl release will include a 16 page booklet. Both sets of liner notes include the work's complete lyrics and never-before-seen photos from the album's recording session. So that sounds really cool. Now, I have to unfortunately share some sad news. We've had a few losses in the Broadway community recently. First, Phyllis Newman. Many of you may know Phyllis Newman. She has been around for a long, long time. She was a Tony Award winning actor, lyricist, and she was a women's health care advocate. She died September 15th at the age of 86. Now, many of you may not know that she made her Broadway debut in 1952 in the musical Wish You Were Here. And this is a piece of information that I didn't know because one of my 
all-time favorite shows is Bells Are Ringing, and she was a standby for Judy Holiday, which is so cool. If you're not familiar with Bells Are Ringing, at least watch the movie. It's so great and so romantic, and I just love it. The music is wonderful. It was written by Julie Stein and Betty Comden and Adolph Green. And famously, Phyllis Newman married Adolph Green in 1960. She won a Tony for her portrayal of Martha Vale in the 1961 musical Subways Are For Sleeping. And she actually beat out Barbara Streisand that year for Best Featured Actress in a Musical category. She's appeared on lots of television shows, including Match Game, To Tell the Truth, The Tonight Show, One Life to Live, and Murder, She Wrote. Her Broadway resume includes The Apple Tree, The Prisoner of Second Avenue, On the Town, and The Mad Woman of Central Park West. She was also in Broadway Bound in later years. She was also a really cool human being. After being diagnosed with breast cancer in 1983, she formed the Phyllis Newman Women's Health Initiative, which operates as part of the Actors Fund. She worked as an advocate for accessible health care, and she really uh, focused on women and young children. This work led to being recognized in 2009 by the American Theater Wing when she was named the first recipient of the Tony Awards Isabel Stevenson Award. So it's a great loss for the Broadway community. She did a lot of wonderful things. Next, we have Betty Corwin. If you've ever gone to the Performing Arts Library at Lincoln Center and watched an old video of a Broadway show, you have Betty Corwin to thank. In the 1960s, she had this idea to preserve theater, and she went on to work with the New York Public Library, and this has now become an institution if you're a theater student or you pretend to be a theater student (laughs) 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 then then you're then you've probably gotten to go in and watch one of these old tapes finally beloved stage manager arthur gaffin passed away on september 13th Uh, several theaters will dim their lights on september 18th which will actually have already happened by the time you hear this podcast. The dimming of the lights will happen at 745, and the theaters that will take part include American Airlines, The Marquis, New Amsterdam, St. James, and The Broadhurst. Mr. Gaffin, known to many as simply Artie, began his Broadway career as assistant stage manager in the 1986 production of Wild Honey, He's worked over two dozen shows and was stage manager for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Nine, and the 2014 revival of Cabaret. Most recently, he worked on 1984. So a sad, sad time for the Broadway community. Lots of sad losses. So rest in peace to all of those wonderful people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's always it's always sad and then the the multiple happening in such a short time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they say it comes in threes and this de- definitely did. So ho- hopefully we will be obituary free <laughs> for the next edition of It's a Theater thing. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. 
You can always find us on the Onstage Blog Network on onstageblog.com, iTunes, and Spotify. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. So, you know, let's get those emails coming in. Also, you can find us on the It's a Theater Thing Facebook page, and our Twitter handle is at Theater Thing. So thanks so much, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, Bye.